All right. Well, how, how many of you guys tried stuff like that when you were a kid? <laughs> right? Oh, come on, man. Hopefully more of you than that. Like, I, I, I remember my, my greatest memory of trying to do something like that was I had a little yellow stingray. You guys remember those? A little yellow stingray bike. And I'm from Michigan. And I remember it was spring, and so it was starting to get warm, but there was still tons of snow. And so I built a ramp out of snow. And I was going to come flying up out of that ramp and just land in this huge drift. I couldn't wait to do it. I built my ramp. I came flying as fast as I could on that little yellow bike. And my wheel stuck right into the snow. And I went flying over. So that's why I wasn't up here this morning. But, you know, most of us maybe haven't tried anything crazy like this. But I know that when we launched K2, we used this theme. Like, man, we wanted to be a church that was on an adventure with God. So we used to talk a lot about roller coasters. How many of you love roller coasters? Yeah, baby. How many of you hate roller coasters? Yeah. Wow, okay. Normally it's about 50-50. But one of the greatest things about roller coasters, man, isn't it like especially being on a stand-up coaster and just hanging over the edge or doing all the loops and the twists and all that kind of stuff? It's so much fun. How many of you have ever skydived? Okay, all right, not as many, but I tell you, man, what a rush. Now, again, I, I actually have such a fear of, of, of heights that I can't even climb a ladder. And so when I was speaking on fear back in my church in Detroit, they made me, as an illustration, jump out of a plane. Now, I want to tell you what, man, for those of you guys who have done it, my plane was so small, we were just cramped in like this. As soon as it hit 10,000 feet and that door flew open, Man, I was scrambling, you know, putting stuff on. But it was also, it wasn't a plane where you just jumped out of the plane. I'm sitting there, and then the guy goes, okay, you have to step out. And we had to step out of the plane onto the wing. And I want to tell you what, man, doing something like that, who, who does that? <laughs> who actually does that? And what makes you do stuff like that? Well, first of all, when you're on a roller coaster, I'm telling you, you better be absolutely sure that that bar is going to hold you, right? That's why you do it, because this thing comes down and you feel secure, and so you just go for it. Man, why do you jump out of a plane? You have to be fully persuaded. You have to have a deep conviction and trust that that guy's actually going to pull the cord who's on your back. And you got to trust that when he pulls it, it actually opens. And here's the other thing. And if it doesn't, you have to be willing to die. <laughs> and that's not even funny, right? I mean, you have to be willing to die. I remember I was newly married, man. Susan and I were only married for about a year and a half. Mariah had just been born and had a brand new baby. And I'm thinking, why in the world would I do this? And we had to sit around our dining table and have the discussion, are you willing to die? And by the way, it must happen because I think I signed like 45 documents that said, you know you might die. If any of you who've ever skydived, you know that you have to do that. But you have faith. That's why you do it. And faith without action is dead. And I want to tell you what, man, I know it's true. It's true for me. It's true for you. The only times in life when I've really come alive is when I've died. So we're going to look at that, man. We are going to look at reckless faith. And I, I just want to tell you right now, as much as we all cheered, right, these guys are flying around, they're doing stuff that's absolutely insane, especially when the guy does the first 360. Doesn't that freak you out? And so we're all applauding them. I want to tell you 
this is absolutely true, that in heaven, the, the, the angelic beings, the, the saints that have gone before us, in heaven, applaud. They cry out with joy and they celebrate every time one of you takes one step of reckless faith. There is a spiritual reality that's going on that I hope you will understand today, that there is life to be had. And Jesus is gonna make it really clear. It comes through faith. Paul said it this way, the only thing that even counts is faith expressing itself through love. So what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, that's what faith was, man. I had to be assured. I had to be confident. I had to put my absolute conviction that that, that parachute was going to open when that guy pulled it. And then you step out in faith. Well, Hebrews, what are we confident in when it comes to spiritual stuff? What assurance do we have so that we can live recklessly in our faith? Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now hear this, look at that. If you don't have faith, you cannot please God. Going to church doesn't necessarily please God. Doing religious stuff doesn't necessarily please God. Trying to make yourself a better person doesn't necessarily please God. There's only one thing that actually pleases God, and that's when you and I live by faith. Because anyone who comes to him must believe. So there's the word. Believe in faith is the exact same word in the Greek. It's pistis. So he said, here's what you have to believe, what you have to be confident in, what you have to be assured of. And that is you have to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You and I got to believe, man, we got to be absolutely sure there's a God, and if we earnestly seek him, if we go after it with all that we've got, then he's going to reward us. So when we started K2, we decided, you know what? We're going to put in our vision statement that we want to be a church with reckless faith. Why did we not just put, say we want to be a church who has faith in Jesus? Because lots of times I would just say, I, I think it's human nature, but I also think especially in America, there are a lot of people who say, I believe in God. There's a lot of people who say, I believe in Jesus. And then James comes in and he goes, did you guys know even the demons believe in the God? See, there's, there's a difference between cognitively assenting that there is one or even believing in your head that Jesus is the Son of God. Faith actually means you have to trust him. So we said, you know, we got to put this word reckless in there. Now, what does reckless mean? It comes from the word rude, Word rude? Root word. <laughs> it comes from the root word to reckon. See, now if you reckon, what's that mean? It means you take account, you tally, you figure. And that's what he's saying is you gotta have, you better take account, you better figure, you better reckon in who God is, that he exists and he rewards you if you step out. But I want to tell you what, if you reckon, then you'll turn reckless. If that's reckon, what does reckless mean? It means without care or regard to the consequences. Without care or regard to the consequences. I want to tell you what, man. When you read the Bible, what you find is that men and women said, you know what, I believe that there's a God and my faith is in him. And I'm telling you what, man, God asked them to do some crazy stuff. Amen? Like super crazy stuff. That's why I always say, man, if God has never freaked you out, 
you've never met him. He will ask you to do stuff that when you look at that, the outcome looks very, very scary. But you have reckless faith, which means I'm trusting that you are, and I'm trusting you're going to reward me, so I'm going to fly out. I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And what happens on the other side of that? That's none of my business. See, you know why we don't have reckless faith? You know why we actually don't do what God wants us to do? It's because we're trying to control the situation. We want to be in control of our lives. But faith is when you say, no, God, you're in control. I remember when we moved out here, seriously, people were thinking that we were nuts. Seriously, why are you moving out to Utah to plant a church? Eric Winter, who's, you know, been here from the beginning, who moved out with us, he had some friends tell him, Eric, why don't you just keep your house here in Michigan and rent it out to some people, and then if it doesn't work, you can go home. Why? What were they saying? They didn't, they didn't believe, and Eric was like, no way, man. We're going no matter what. That's reckless. Yes, I'm going to sell my home. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to leave my family, and I'm not going to do it because of any guarantee of the outcome. I'm going to do it because God is asking me. That's faith. And here's what I want to tell you today. When you have that type of faith, and it's the only type that actually works, a part of you is going to die, and a part of you is going to come alive. Every time you believe in God, you will die, and you will come alive. And here's what we do. We're in a series called Expand. We are believing. God just makes it so clear, man. When something is alive, it expands. So two weeks ago, we looked at we're going to, have a, we're going to be a church with a wider reach because if a, if, a, if a church is full of faith and love and hope, it just expands. So last week, we worked at love and looked at love and how love needs to expand and how it needs to be longer. And today, we're going to look at faith and how it needs to be deeper. I love this, 2 Thessalonians 1.3. Paul says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. Thank you, God. These people's faith is growing more and more. How many of you would love for your faith to be growing more and more? I'm telling you what, man. It, once you taste it, you want it. There's something inside of you that longs for that. So your absolute trust in God, that he exists and that he rewards, and your willingness to do anything that he asks you to do, that willingness can expand. It can grow. So, how did Jesus explain this? All right? I'm going to use an illustration here for you. I've used it <clears throat> uh, before. It's been a long time since on Sunday. But uh, will you guys just all play with me for a second? You play along with me? All right? Let's pretend we're in a little classroom here. You cut open an apple, and inside, right? Here we go. Got a little seed there, and here's another one. All right, so just follow me here for a second. If I take this seed and I set it here on this board right there, and I take this seed and I dig a hole in the dirt and I bury it, which one do you think is gonna grow? <laughs> okay, this is what I love. You guys set yourself up so badly and it happens Every time I use this illustration, every time I ask that question, everybody laughs. 
Why do you laugh? Because you know this one has no shot. And this one does. And you know it so deeply with such deep conviction that even the question seems silly, right? That's why you laughed. Okay? You guys ready? Listen to Jesus. John chapter 12. Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I, I, I often wonder, I wonder if his crowd was laughing then too, like, we'll go, oh, tell us something we don't know, Jesus. He goes, here's what you don't know. Anyone who loves their life is going to lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must, hear that? Must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be. Why? Because my servants actually follow me. That means they end up where I am. And my father will honor the one who serves me. My father will reward you. And you have to believe that. But to believe it means I have to follow him. So what Jesus is saying here is, here's what you need to understand. Here's another way he said it. He goes, if anyone tries to save their life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. Now here's what you have to, have to deal with this morning. Is God who created the world and who created you, who's the only one who can actually reveal what's real to you, is saying, when I created the physical world, I gave you an incredible example <laughs> that you would know this one has no shot unless it's buried and dies. And if it dies, it has a chance to grow. And he goes, and I did that so that you would understand a spiritual principle. And here it is. If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you'll lose it for me, he said, you're going to find it. You know what's cool, cool? He went on another time, right? He was sharing this parable of uh, uh, the gospel is like a seed that goes out. The word of God is like a seed. And sometimes the seed falls on a platform just like this. And, the, and the, it says, he says the enemy comes and he snatches the seed and it never takes root, it never grows. He goes, other seed falls on this hard soil and the roots don't go down. So then when the troubles of life came and it got really hard, the, the plant just died. And he said then some seed actually went in and it actually did take root. They actually believed and it took root. <clears throat> but then it grew up with all these other plants. And when Jesus explained that, he said, the cares of this world, the riches of this world, the distractions of this world. So some of you guys, right, you believe, but you know right now, it's like, man, I'm not really thriving because my life, truly, I got this Jesus thing, but it's Jesus in the midst of everything else. And Jesus says, that actually chokes out the plant, listen, and it never matures. And then he said, you know what? Some seed actually falls into really good soil. And he says, those are those who hear the word, they accept it, and look at it, they produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times 
what was sown. Can I ask you guys a question? What's inside this thing? Do you know what's inside this thing? A tree is inside this thing. Is that not true? There is a tree in here. Look at this picture, man. This is what God is trying to say to you. Every single one of you in this room are one of these. And inside you is supernatural growth and power and influence and love and joy and peace that can change the world. You can be that right there. But most of us are stuck here. Why? Because we don't believe that we actually have to lose our life to find it. Most of us are thinking, if I save my life, if I'm in control of my life, if I'm the one calling all the shots, I'm going to be able to create a great life. And most of us are going, it ain't working. And I want to tell you today, that's because only when you believe do you actually die and do you come alive. And you know what's crazy? He says when you die, what's so cool is what's inside every piece of fruit. What's inside every piece of fruit? More seeds, right? So you grow up a tree like this, and then you produce fruit, but then all of that fruit has seeds in it, and here's what your life can actually produce. That is God's vision for your life. And I want to tell you what, man, what do you want? I've been praying for you today. I'm praying, too, that your faith would grow more and more because the world needs the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And he will produce that in us, but only if we have reckless faith, which means I have to die. I want to tell you what, man, this is when it gets exciting to me. But I'm going to tell you, here, here's where I want you, I hope you, you're going to go home with today. When you believe, you are going to die. You are. I think that's why most of us don't want to believe. But when you believe, you're going to come alive. You're going to come alive. Don't be scared of the digging of the hole, of the putting you in and covering you over with dirt. Believe that if that happens, you're going to come alive. How can your faith grow? How can it expand? How can it be more full in you than it's ever been on this day? And how can all of us in this room together create an orchard of fruit for this world that needs it? I'm going to tear apart one small verse to hopefully show you this. Okay? It's Colossians 2, 6 and 7. It says, Therefore... As you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay, there's two really, really important truths that we got to understand just from these two verses that I think might be a catapult for you to actually have your faith grow. The first is this. <clears throat> One is past tense that something actually has happened 
and the other truth is present tense. It's something that's happening right now, even right now. On this day, September 25th, 2016, something's going on. Here's what it is. The first one we have to look at is the first step of faith. The first step of faith. What does it mean to believe? Okay? In Colossians 2.6, he said two things, past tense. He goes, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus. You have. You've received him. It's a past tense. And then he goes on and says, having been firmly rooted. That, too, is a past tense. That's something that's already happened. You received Christ, and when you did, you got firmly rooted. Now, let me just ask you, all you guys who are Christians in here, how do you receive Christ? You receive him by faith. That was, that was kind of lame. Hopefully we know that a little bit better. Let's try that again. You receive him by faith. Now, this is really important. What is faith? Faith, again, is I am absolutely confident, and I'm putting my full assurance in something. And so when you receive Christ, you receive him by faith. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Galatians 3, 2, Paul says this, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? So when you put your faith in Christ, here's what you did when you got saved, when you received Christ. You said, you know what, Jesus? I believe that you're the Son of God, and I believe that when you were on the cross, that you were actually came to be the Savior of the world. I am putting all my trust and all my confidence that my sin was inside your body and that God punished my sin in you so he would never have to punish my sin personally. That's what it means. I'm putting my, here's what it is, you guys. I'm putting my full confidence, not in my ability, not in my works, not in my righteousness. I'm putting my full confidence, all my belief, and all my faith in Jesus' work on my behalf. And he says this, as soon as you put your faith in me, you receive me. You get the Spirit of God inside of you. Now, I want to tell you, man, I don't know if you guys were all here second service, but that was, we had like 15 people. We were celebrating baptisms last week, right? And after the service, 15 more people came up and they said, you know what, I'm putting my faith in Christ. And they got baptized right here, right after the service. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was fantastic. Now, why do we do baptism? Because it was the symbol. When you get baptized, the word means to dip. You take a piece of cloth, like a white piece of cloth, you dip it in red dye. That dye infuses every part of that cloth. So when you pull out the cloth, it's new. You received it. And so what, what John the Baptist said, he goes, I baptize you with water. But one who's coming, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You will actually, your whole being, when you put your, this is so awesome. When you put your faith in Christ, you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, man. Your spirit gets made one with Jesus' spirit. That's why Christianity, man, let me tell you again, it's not going to church. It's not following rules. It's not trying to be a good person. Christianity is never taking effect until that happens. When you receive Christ. Now here's what's crazy. What happens what happens when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit? 
Look at this, Romans 6. We, Christians, are those who have what? Died. When you received Christ, which you did by faith, you died. That's why I'm telling you, every time you believe, you die. He goes, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried, isn't this interesting? We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. Isn't that cool? See, so Jesus, way before any Paul ever spoke anything, was he goes, can I just share you some really simple illustration? Because that's what's going to happen to you if you receive me. You are going to die to sin. You guys, what's sin? What is sin? Sin is yourself. Sin is devotion to yourself. Sometimes you'll read the Bible and it calls it the selfish, the sinful nature. There's a nature inside of us that's bent away from God. We, listen you guys, if you're human, you can't follow God. You are born with this thing inside of you that says no to God and it's called sin. And that's why God had to send Jesus to say, listen man, I am the only one, and he was, who never sinned. He has victory over sin, but then he died carrying all of our sin on himself. So when you receive Christ, he goes, you receive Christ, well Christ already died. You are now dead to sin, which means you are dead to a selfish nature. You can finally say yes to God. And how cool is it? He says, and as soon as you receive me, you are dead to sin, but you now can live a new life. Every time you believe, you will die and you will live. You will die to yourself and you'll be alive to God. And then God's stuff will start to get done. That's the first thing you need to understand, man. You receive him, and it's done one time. So funny, about four people came up to be baptized after the service, and they'd already been baptized. <laughs> but you know what they did? They wandered. <laughs> they took a long journey off away from God, and they finally wanted to come back to God, and they said, I want to be baptized again. I'm like, yeah, but you don't need to be baptized again because once you have been, you have received Christ. You have been born of his spirit. He's inside of you. You're just a wandering kid who's coming home. Just like Mariah and Ashlyn and Caleb, man. They don't have to be born again, again. Once they were born, they're my kids. But man, they wanted to come home because once he's inside you, man, you have a new heart. So that's the first thing. Now you received him, past tense. Look at the verse, Colossians 2, 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. And that's the second thing. You received him as past tense, but your walk is present tense. Can I ask you, everybody just say this with me again. You how'd you receive him? You received him by faith. Just as you received him by faith, you're supposed to walk in the same way. Now, right? So the verse goes on. You throw it up there, uh, Colossians or 2, 6, 7. 
He says, therefore, as you have received Christ, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted as past tense. But now we got some present tense. Now you are being firmly rooted. And now, I'm sorry, now you are being built up in him and established in your faith. Today and every single day, your faith can actually grow. But what you got to do is you got to do the same thing that you did when you received Christ. You put your trust in him. You said no to yourself and you said yes to God. And now he's saying that's how it works every day. How is the Thess Thessalonians' faith growing more and more? They were walking by faith. Look at this verse. This is amazing. Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified. Past tense, right? It's already happened. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Look at this. The life I now live on September 25th, 2016, in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what I want to tell you, man. This is, this, you've got to understand this if you're ever going to become the full tree filled with fruit, producing an orchard of a life that brings glory to God and blesses others and makes you free. You have to understand this. I died when I believed and I received life. And I die when I believe now and I receive life. Every time you put your faith in God, you will die and you will come alive. It's just how it works. It's what he tried to help us to understand so simply. And I'm asking these next few minutes as I get to close this up, God, would you please help us to get to a point where spiritually we would laugh as much as we did at this? What would happen if we would start to take Jesus at his word and saying, you know what? I'm gonna give up my life. I'm gonna quit saving my life. I'm gonna quit trying to be in control of my life and I'm actually going to trust God. I can tell you every day, Every day, every day, multiple times a day, you have a chance to believe. That's why I think Paul said this. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. He goes, I die every day. Isn't that interesting? Paul, who put his total hope in the sacrifice of Christ on his behalf, he says, I die every day. And then he goes, I mean it, brothers. Like, I'm serious. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Yeah, good, you guys know this. Daily and follow me. A cross means you are dying. See, you're dying to yourself. And you're saying yes to God. I'm not going to listen to my fleshly nature that wants to do whatever I want to do anymore. That's what's messing up the whole world. I've died to that. I'm crucified with Christ. I don't live like that anymore. I'm going to pick up my cross daily. Now, this is a crazy cool verse. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 4, 10 through 12. Paul says, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. What does that mean? So if I'm really following Christ, if I'm, if I'm a Christian, I always 
carry in my body the death of Christ. And that means dead to sin. I'm carrying an absolute commitment to say no to my flesh. I'm saying no to my selfish nature. That's the death that I have to live every single day. But look at what he says. We always carry around our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. See, where's the love come from? Where's the joy come from? Where's the peace come from? Where's the patience and the kindness? Where does this life that actually looks like Christ come from? It only comes when you carry the death of Christ inside you. It only comes when you believe this, that if you try to save your life and do whatever you want to do, it will produce nothing. But if you die every day, he will produce fruit out of your life. The life of Christ is shown through your life. That's why I'm saying this is so crazy. Every time you believe, you're going to die to self and you're going to come alive to God. That's what's going to happen. This is how our faith grows. He goes on to say, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies right now. Right? Verse 12. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. <laughs> this is so good. Do you guys get this? Do you hear what he's saying? When you die to yourself and you carry that death right here, when death is at work in you, when you've been baptized into Christ's death, crucified with Christ, and you no longer live, look what happens. Life happens for everybody around you. Oh, isn't, that, isn't that great? Your wife has a chance to have life because you're dead to your selfish desires. Your, oh, we've got a woman clapping. Oh, hold on, I'll get you now. Your husband has a chance to experience life because you're dead to your selfish desires. When you die to yourself, life of Christ, the love of Christ comes up. Your heart becomes free finally from needing what you need and you can't get so you're so angry and so frustrated. That's done. That's dead because I don't live for me anymore. Now I love and I can because I believe and I die. And when I die, I come alive. This is how it works. Don't forget the apple seed. Here's what I know. I hear one guy explain this verse this way. Every time my will clashes with God's will and I choose God, I just died. It's as simple as that. Every time my will clashes with God's and I choose God's, I died. And my selfishness, which is ruining everything, including my own heart and every relationship I've got, is dead. And God's way, which is right and gives life, becomes real in my person. Can I ask you, what would happen? What would happen if you believed this spiritually as much as you believe it naturally? What would happen? What would your life look like? What would your relationships look like? And then I can't help but think, what would K2 look like? What could we as a body look like 
you know what? I've tasted it. I've seen it. Because when we launched K2, there were 100 people on our team. We moved out here with 30. But by the time we launched, we had 100 people. And here's what I know. And I knew it. Every one on that team was giving everything they had to God. Everything. They were sacrificing everything. Everybody was faithful to tithe. Everybody was faithful to use their gifts for the church. Everybody was faithful to reach out to their neighbors. Every person, a hundred people. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God's eyes are roaming the earth right now even. They are roaming the earth looking for those whose hearts are completely his so that he can strengthen them with his power. And I actually do believe that on September 26, 2004, that God's eyes roamed and he saw a hundred people giving him faithfully, believing everything that he said and laying their life out for him. And he said, I'm going to give them my power. And I'm telling you, man, more happened here than we ever thought would happen. Look what's happened just from a hundred people. Now here's the question. On an average Sunday, I don't know, I can't, I'm going to get specific. Let's just, let's just level it out. There are at least a thousand adults every Sunday at K2 The Church. And I can't help but wonder what would happen if a thousand people believed this. What would happen if a thousand people said, I am no longer, I'm going to take Jesus at his word and I'm not going to live for myself anymore. But instead, I'm going to believe that if I die, I'm going to come alive. And if I die, everybody else is going to be blessed because I'm going to be synced with God. Now, here's what I tell you, man. Jesus makes this pretty simple. He just says, true worshipers, okay? So again, not churchgoers, worshipers. He goes, true worshipers worship me in spirit and in truth, okay? So how do I die every day? How do I not save my life? Let's get really practical. Here's some things that are just in Scripture. You don't even have to be led by the Spirit because it just says it, right? Accept each other. Forgive each other. Love one another. No sex outside of marriage, None. Any sex outside of marriage is not my design. Don't do it. Care for the poor and the widow, orphans and refugees. Find out what your spiritual gift is and use it for the benefit of the body. I gave you it and I've commanded you, use the gift for the benefit of the body. Tithe. God just says, hey, listen, I gave you 10 of these. I'm asking for one. That one is actually mine. So I just want you to trust me. Just going to make it really clear. That one's mine and you give it back to me. Okay? Just do that. You guys, if you, and here's what's great, it's so hard because we want to save our life. I go, I don't want to accept that person. I don't want to forgive that person who hurt me. I look at the goofy people in here. I don't want to love everybody. Can't I just love the people like me? Sexual purity? Come on, I'm about, save, save, I got to save my life, man. This brings me pleasure. You go down the list, man, it doesn't matter. Every one of those things, here's what will happen. If you believe anything that he tells you to do in Scripture, you know what's going to happen? Part of you going to die. And you're going to say, but I want to save my life. I think this is what's going to make me happy. If you save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you will believe what he tells you in his word, that's why, you, oh, that song, wasn't it hilarious? Because I don't know if you saw it. Some of you were like probably offended by that first song. Because in the song it said, truth didn't set me free, I did it myself. You know why truth doesn't set you free? Because Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, then you'll know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. See, truth doesn't set you free. You don't come alive until you hold to his teachings. And man, here's my goal, man. I know this. If you'll do what he tells you, amazing things will happen. And then I just want to bring this home. Here's the other thing. Um, There's a lot of stuff in the Bible, or I'm sorry, there's a lot of stuff that God wants you to do that's not in the Bible, okay? I I, I didn't have, there's nothing, I have always laughed about this. Wouldn't that be cool if there was a gospel of Dave? Right? And I could just wake up and go, hey, it's September 25th, 2016. What does God want me to do today? It's not in there. Instead, he gave you his spirit. And his spirit is alive. This is the beauty of a relationship with God. And the spirit prompts us to do things all the time. I just want to bring home two of them that I want, you to a- I want to ask you to consider, all of us in here, as part of K2. Okay? I mentioned this a couple, couple weeks ago. Uh, starting on October 9th, we are going to do a series called um, uh, Where's My American Dream? I asked you guys, right? Remember that? Two weeks ago. How many of you know people who are scared to death of the election? <laughs> well, actually, no. First, I asked how many of you are scared to death of the election? And everybody's hand went up. And then you all know people who are scared to death of the election. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend four weeks addressing the biggest fears of this election. And here's what I'm asking you. I'm going to ask you, would you pray for the next two weeks and ask God, who is it that you want to be in this building to hear that? Whose fears do you want to relieve? I bet every one of you knows somebody that you wish was sitting next to you at K2. On October 9th, man, do you imagine if every one of us just brought one person, just one person, pray and follow God and do what he asks you to do? and see what happens, okay? Here's the second thing. I am so excited about our future here. We share with you, if you weren't here, listen to the message two weeks ago on a wider reach. I know that God is calling us as a church to care about every church that gets planted in this valley, and we're making the steps to make that happen. I know that our outreach is getting honed in, man. We are gonna care for for the orphan, for the widow, and for the refugee here at K2, the church. Here's what we talked about last week, right now, right? You guys constantly serve each other. It's what the church does. Many of you are being blessed because of everybody who's in Adventure Canyon. They're serving you and your kids are being drawn one step closer to God. Base camp is happening, crash course is happening, life together groups are happening all over the place. This service happened. Why? Because of what's happening here at K2 and your commitment to be a part of this. Now, So we shared with you guys the the part of the beauty, right? So we spent 10 years at 2100 South. We thought we were going to go after Sugar House neighborhood. And then 30, everybody who moved out here ended up being all over the valley. Ticked me off. I'm like, how come you guys aren't living by me? I was really upset by that. And here's what we realized. That when God opened the doors at K2, he's been drawn for 12 years. People from Utah County, from Davis County, from Wasatch County, from all over Salt Lake County. We were never intended to be just a church for the valley. And so we've moved here in the center of the valley so that we could actually have a place where God could continue to draw people here. We pledged three million, you, not we, you pledged three million dollars to get into this in the building. And again, I celebrate that 94% of that has come in. You guys have been unbelievably faithful and we do celebrate that. But we also knew that it was a four million dollar project. Our lender gave us grace to just pay off the, the, uh, um, Interest this year, starting in January, we have to start paying off the principal of our loan. 
And so we've been asking you for the last couple weeks, I'm just gonna ask you again today. Would you consider just simply going before God and saying, God, what did you give me that you would love for me to be a venue to help bring down this debt? Because here's what happens, you guys. That debt goes into our general budget starting in January. If that thing can be brought down, then every dollar that can come into our general budget continues to do the blessing of the ministry that God's called us to. And so we're just asking you to join us, man. Would, I, and here's what, he, I don't know. I have no idea what God's gonna ask you to do. But here's what I do know. It will take reckless faith. It will take you believing and trusting that when God moves in your spirit, that you're gonna do what he asks you to do. Because here's what I know. We're not done, man. We've had a good 12-year run. I feel like we're just beginning. I feel like there's so much ahead of us, and I know that God wants to do great things through this church. And that means he's gonna exercise our faith. He's gonna keep calling us to reckless, radical things. And we're gonna put our faith in him, and we're gonna do whatever he asks us to do. And if a thousand people will do that, the eyes of the Lord that roam the earth will look at K2 the church, and he'll go, that's where I'm gonna give my power. I'm gonna strengthen these people because these are people who say yes to me. I don't know about you, man. When I get to heaven, I just wanna have an orchard full of people who are blessed because of my faith and because of our faith. It's how we started, and we're never gonna stop fighting to be that way. And if you believe, you're gonna die, but you will come alive, all right? Band, come up and let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. We just thank you, that God, we just confess you. Uh, we are those who, who came to the realization we couldn't follow you. We are the ones who realize, man, our hearts are so full of sin and I, I, I need to be saved from my sin. And I just want to say thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that when we put our trust in you, when we believed in you, we actually received Christ. And when we received Christ, we became dead to sin and we became alive to God. The fact that we even have the hope of living a new life because of your spirit inside of us is awesome. But now, God, I want to ask you to move in every heart in this room. Would you help us just as we received you to walk in you. Would you help us to die every day? Would you help us to take up your cross every day? Would you help us to believe that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain a single seed? Would you be gracious, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit to help us to believe that if we'll die to ourselves? if we'll say no to our sin and say yes to you, that we will come alive, that your life will fill our very mortal body and your life will extend to everyone around us. I specifically ask right now, God, that you would move in K2 the church for October 9th. I pray that you would lay people on our hearts that you love, that you want to draw to Jesus. And I pray that this week that you would move in us as we prepare to bring our pledges next Sunday. God, I'm just going to trust you. You speak. 
You move in our hearts. And then by the Holy Spirit, give us the courage and the grace and the faith to trust you, to step out and to watch you do more than we could ask or imagine. And I pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So, um, we're going to take our offering as we do this last song. You guys, this has been a song that we've been singing this whole, these last few weeks. I love it. It says, we've come alive in you, set free to show the truth. Our lives will never be the same. We are sold out to your calling. So we're giving it all away, man. We're giving it all away to go your way. And I just want to tell you, man, this is our hope. This is our hope that God's going to inspire us to be able to live like this. Now, we're going to take our offering because this is, this is just what we do. You know, again, this is what, because God asks us to. And because we believe him. We trust him. We, we believe with all of our heart that the best thing for our own hearts is simply, instead of taking everything for ourselves, it's giving it back to God. It's what creates a stream of life within us. So if you've come prepared to give, let's do that. And let's all stand together and let's sing this last worship song as we go out.